Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is mid-afternoon on Friday, May the 5th, 2023, new month. But old show, an old theme. We're back with That Was The Week with my old friend Keith Tier summarizing the week in tech. Andrew. And it's been a very familiar week. Keith's uh, newsletter this week, which goes out live, by the way, now with the show. So this will be the first time anyone's seen it. Robots and humans. We've had this one before, Keith. It's been showing many times and it will continue to show many times. What? news about robots and humans got made this week a lot happened this week andrew in 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 robot land uh, the first thing is the white house invited all the ceos involved in the space to come to a conversation um kind of headlined by we need to we need to keep a close eye on this and regulate it or at least have a plan to regulate it and, and so everyone showed up yesterday, including Sam Altman, who was about 10 minutes late. Uh, it was very funny watching him going late with his tail. At least he showed up. Did he wear a, was he wearing a fleece? Was he in a, He was wearing a suit. Uniform. A very smart well, suit. I, I'm guessing that, I haven't seen the photos actually, but I'm guessing those, the photos, I know the CEOs of Microsoft um, and Google were there as well. I'm guessing it was a much less awkward photograph than the trump one when uh, all the the tech people showed up to have to deal with him and they weren't sure if they should be there exactly and they were all dressed up i remember uh, even tim cook was in a shirt uh, shirt and suit looking very uncomfortable the funny thing was lena khan as i understand it was not there but she 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 retaliated by a New York Times opinion piece. Yeah, called, well, I know you're a big admirer of Lena Khan, Keith. You couldn't wait, <laughs> could you? I was just about. So so what's your friend Lena been up to this week? Well, she wasn't invited. Do you think she's she's on the outs on the White House front? I'm not sure she's done a great job. Even I am not as critical of her as you. Nobody is as critical of her as you. But I wonder why she wasn't there. Maybe they don't want to deal with her anymore. Well, when when you're the chairman of the Federal Trade Commission and you're not invited to a, a, a discussion about how to regulate a trade, um, you you turn to the New York Times and she wrote a long opinion piece called "How to Regulate." We must regulate AI. Here's how. And immediately in my mind, uh, <laughs> I, I, I thought she, she only wrote it to annoy you. You know that. Exactly. But I also, the funny thing is she doesn't answer the question. Uh, and she she adopts what I can only think of as chat GPT-like hallucinations, as in she she's kind of imagining what she might do, but not really describing anything specific. She's right. also- probably got written by chat GPT. Uh, you, you quote in the editorial this week, there's the hallucination. This is on the, the Khan op-ed. OpenAI is a startup barely a few years old and challenging Google, Facebook, Salesforce, and others, hardly locking in the market dominance of incumbents. What is she smoking? <laughs> exactly. What's she smoking, Keith Lena Khan? 
I have no idea. I mean, she only has one tune, which is monopolies need to be regulated. So she has to invent a monopoly in the in the AI space. And and the funny thing is, as the leaked document from Google shows this week, there isn't one. There's no monopoly to regulate. Yeah, I mean, not only is there no monopoly, according to the, the, the Google document, there's no moat. So nobody, no, nobody's secure. Not Google, not OpenAI, not Microsoft. Nobody. The the yeah, the leaked Google document predicts that um, open source AI platforms will will be better than those created by companies. Who leaked it? By the way, I should ask my wife. She's the I, head of police at Google. Yeah, I have no idea who leaked it. Well, and, and what kind of document was it? Was it an official white paper or just a thought piece? It was an internal uh, recommendation piece, so it doesn't have the status of an uh, of an official Google opinion. But it, uh, whoever wrote it clearly has insight and and influence. So I'm sure it reflects. A, 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 but in all seriousness, with the Khan piece, I think you're right. She only has one. She's, she only has one gear, and it's always about regulation and, and, and monopoly. But it, as you say, it's absurd. There's no way. I mean, it's, it's not even an industry yet. So how can it be a monopoly? Right. It, the closest risk is the one that Gary Marcus flags over and over again, which is closer to the risk that agreeing to a drug being released before it's been tested, which is the, the, the impact on humanity. And Hinton, who resigned from Google this week, I'm not sure if you connect with any of the pieces about that, but that's really been the dominant story of the week when it comes to AI. Yeah, and Hinton, um, Hinton's resignation is, um, no pun intended, hinted at in, in the leaked document. The leaked document talks about uh, a fight between different parts of Google. And you remember last week they merged the deep mind part of Google with the other AI part of Google into a single unit run by the DeepMind guy, then Hinton resigns. So it, it, it doesn't take too much imagination to realize there's been a big turf war fight at Google over AI, which is the same fight that Gary Marcus is fighting. So are you saying that Hinton was being disingenuous in terms of his reasons for leaving? No, I, I, I think he's telling the truth, but I think what he's saying is we lost the fight Therefore, I can't be any here anymore because I don't believe in that path. Well, he's probably, is he in a separate camp from the Deep Minds guy? Yeah, so the camps are really, um, there's some things in common. The things they have in common are neural networks and deep learning models. Those are technologies. What they don't have in common is large language models as a path to artificial general intelligence versus deep learning and neural networks using other approaches. So uh, what I say in the editorial is that it's a little bit like the life of Brian when everyone is a Christian, but they disagree on some small element and therefore become enemies. That's kind of what's happening here in the AI space. The Google leak document seems to confirm that. Gary Marcus on Twitter this morning was asking, can anyone think of other examples where, uh, to paraphrase him, small sects in a common space uh, carve each other to pieces over small differences? And, and I think that is roughly what's going on. It's an internet, internet. I think war. the interesting thing about Hinton actually is how it's been picked up. It, 
I mean, no one had ever heard of him before. I, I know him because he's the brother of um, a friend of mine's wife. And uh, I, I think the real story is that uh, he's a big Spurs fan. So he's probably in a horrible mood anyway. And it's just an excuse <laughs> to quit his job and complain even more. Well, after Manchester United's uh, 95th minute penalty against Yeah, but it was a meaningless game. You're still going to qualify for Europe. I I hope so. Can't blame Jeffrey Hinton for that. No. Are we going to blame Jeffrey Hinton or Google or Lena Khan? No, I was just going to join you in the depressed football fan part of the world, but you're claiming I shouldn't be depressed because we're going to be okay. And you're in the FA Cup final, I mean. So uh so back to robots and humans. Has anything actually happened this week? I know you linked to an interesting uh, speech that Greg Brockman of OpenAI made at TED. Another interesting one on Open on on AI by yeah. a woman I'd never actually heard of, Yejin Choi uh, at TED as well. What are they saying? And what, has anything actually happened this week, rather than just all talk? Uh, yeah. Well, Greg Brockman um, demoed. Uh, some of the next things that ChatGPT is going to be able to do, which is basically carry out actions on your behalf um, using plugins that interface with, for example, spreadsheets or travel booking systems and the like. Um, and, and, and it's really worth, it's a 30-minute video of which 10 minutes is Chris Anderson asking him questions. But it, it, it is a great insight into where Chat. GPT is at and what's coming next and how. So it's more than just language. This yep. It's actually having a, a real assistant as opposed to the failed assistants that Apple and, and Google and Amazon had. Exactly right. And, and uh, I mean, th there is, it's not even close. Um, Siri and, and Alexa and um, the Google assistant are, are not in the same ballpark even as chat GPT. And the, this, this, this next iteration that he shows off, which includes web browsing, by the way, and uh, being able to summarize. Which must have chilled Google because that's a real threat to their business. Yeah. No, it, I mean, it, we're doing this on uh, on Chrome. I, I'm guessing we won't be needed in future, Keith, will we? You and I, we can be replaced by robots. What about Yejin Choi? Who is she and what was she saying? That's She's a professor, a uh, Chinese background, but American professor who basically tries to explain why chat GPT is both super smart and super dumb at the same time. And she, she, she's really in the same camp as, as Jeffrey Hinton. Um, but she's quite considered in how she lays out the landscape and the case for chat GPT not being the mainline path and how uh, the reason for its flaws are structural and I, I think she she gives a reasonably good rendition, uh, not the same as Gar Gary Marcus, but within the same ballpark. He'd probably agree with a lot of what she said. And I think it helps us understand all the noise that's going on between the professionals in this space is really fighting for position uh, almost in an ideological way, uh, as opposed to being scientists uh, talking about technology there. They've already figured out what they think the end game looks like and how to get there, and they they want to they want to throw as much mud as possible at everything else that looks promising. You didn't include a link to the Biden initiative. He's putting several hundred million dollars into 
state-funded foundations for investigating AI. Is that a waste of time, Keith, in your view? Are they going to lag behind? Will there be any point to it? As long as I'm guessing they don't appoint Lena Khan to run any of them. No, even in my own company, Andrew, when I sit down and talk to the data science team, and, I, and I'm not entirely as uneducated in this as the White House is, I struggle to keep up and understand what, what they're saying and doing because this is uh, you know, expert-led science. It's particularly dangerous for the White House to do that when there's a turf war between different camps because if they give the money to the other camp, by definition, they'll fuel the fire on that side of the discussion. Uh, and, and, and um, you know, all of the concern is coming from the anti-chat GPT side, as you'd expect, because they're trying to, uh, Gary Marcus tweeted to me, you know, he can't find VCs that will fund his approach. So there's a there's a very strong self-interest in getting money. Yeah, but Gary's it. startup has got to do with media and truth. I'm not even sure how rooted in AI. I mean, it's certainly not a chat GPT product, is it? Uh, no, I was more referring to his belief that there's a better path to artificial general. Well, everyone thinks they've got the best path. I mean, yeah. whether it's Gary Marcus or Jeffrey Hinton or... or... Yeah, so, but, but when that's still in the middle of, of the early part of a fight, you really, I'm not sure you want the White House giving money. Uh, right, money. and there isn't going to be a single path anyway. There's going to be multiple paths, and each path will have subpaths. It's so... Yeah. It's very important that politicians don't side with one camp. In a in a debate that that is practical and is still right, but you know, you, I mean, when it comes to tech and politics, one of the interesting things, thinking out loud, it occurs to me is given the particularly the Republican Party's preoccupation with culture wars and banning certain books in schools. I, I wonder whether it's conceivable that AI will become an issue in the next election. I can't imagine Trump talking about it, although he'd probably be anti-Chinese. And Biden doesn't seem particularly interested one way or the other. Yeah, I think I think that there's no upside to any politician in getting involved at this point. They should leave it to the science and see what happens. I mean, I'd say there's quite a few years to go yet before we really even know anything. But they're going to be exciting years because the capability of these platforms is going to grow. If you believe the Google leak document, this is going to be free and available to everybody quickly from open source providers. And that OpenAI and Google will not be able to get significant revenue from it because of that. I'm not convinced that's true. I think OpenAI actually is in with a shot. But... but Although OpenAI is actually, in truth, closed AI. It is, absolutely. It and is they, they don't, they're not shy about that. Elon Musk insists on that, although that's only from sour grapes because he's no longer involved in it. Exactly. So, yeah, this, this issue is going to run and run. It's certainly not the last we're going to hear of it even um, this month. What else is happening, Keith? Not. It's not just AI this week. You've got some interesting other news. Um, AI, well, going on with the open AI, they closed the $300 million share sale at a almost $30 billion valuation. Are they a, a series? What are they, a series C or D company? I don't know which series that was. Um, I can check while we're talking. And just to say, $300 million 
it sounds like a lot, but they lost five hundred and fifty million last right, year. Right, I read that he wanted to raise a billion, and um, I, I guess that the OpenAI IPO is going to be a like the Netscape or the Facebook or the Google. It's going to mark. I don't know when it will happen, but it will mark a, an important date in the evolution of the AI economy. Yeah, it's going to be a, a long time coming. I, I would suspect it's it is a Series C. Um, yeah, actually, thinking of AI, one of the pieces I suggested you put in, there was an interesting piece in the New Yorker by the science fiction writer Ted Chiang on AI becoming the new McKinsey. And I, I thought that was actually pretty good. And it, it, it's only going to compound yeah. the inequality and the strength of companies like McKinsey who control the AI and who own the AI. Anyone doing consulting uh, for a body of knowledge that's easily available can't continue to charge very high prices for their time. It just won't be feasible because these systems will do. Well, they'll have to dress it up and justify it in their gobble, in their consulting gobbledygook. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but it's, it's. I thought it was an excellent piece. By I agree. Chang. In fact, it was so good. I bought one of his short his books of short stories. I, I didn't know much about him, but I, I think he's a very good writer as well. Uh, in terms of essays of the week, a uh, couple of other interesting pieces I, I thought you linked to this one about uh, half of youtube's u.s viewership now on being on tv yeah changing the ad market i mean does that basically mean that these two markets have converged and we can't really talk about a television market or an internet market anymore well i think i think the tv screen is is no longer a tv in any meaningful sense it's it's a window onto internet-delivered content. So the smart apps that are built into all the newest TVs probably dominate what people look at uh, because, because they're leaving cable and satellite networks in droves. So that what else could they be doing? They must be loading apps, and YouTube is probably the number one app they load. YouTube TV, by the way, is fantastic. It's, uh, it's a really good real-time television network uh, that replaces any requirement for cable. Hulu's is quite good as well, by the way. Yeah, you have to tell my wife, who, who won't get it because uh, she claims that it doesn't cover all of Stanford sports. But I think it does. I think oh, it does. Well, I'll have to tell her because it's massive. Who wants to deal with it? I mean, everyone hates their cable company. Yeah. Uh, well, one of the pieces that you linked to that I thought was really interesting and actually touched on YouTube as well was by... Uh, uh, was the the strat strat uh, who who writes that Keith Ben Thompson Ben Thompson it was a really interesting piece on content I actually and and he touches on um, the collapse of a uh, uh, BuzzFeed News um, I actually had Ben Smith who has a new book out on BuzzFeed traffic on the show what what is uh, ben thompson saying that's interesting here on this unified content business model i guess it's advertising versus subscription and well he's just is his end point is why why worry about the distinction why not why not offer both and he focuses on substack and makes the point that um no no individual substack author is going to have the gravitas to attract serious advertising. But Substack, the company, across all of the authors, would. So why doesn't it 
create a, an advertising bucket, if you like, that could be distributed across um, authors that want to have advertising and make a lot of money from it. Uh, and, and he's being logical about it. Uh, we've talked previously about sponsorship in the same, con you know, the same concept that Substack could be the sponsorship intermediary for these things, which is not quite the same as advertising. Um, so, of course, Substack is resistant to that because its, its entire vision is founded on not needing advertising. So there's a there's a zealotry around that. Which... Yeah, I wonder whether the Substack model, which does seem in a way attractive, whether it's going to hit a wall when people simply are not willing to spend money on more subscriptions. They have to be able to bundle these subscriptions. So that well, you I get, think you're right. Bundling is the solution. Get maybe a hundred of your favorite writers on Substack for whatever it is, twenty dollars a month. Because otherwise, yeah, at a certain point. Most people are still not spending money. There was an interesting piece. It's not in your newsletter that I got today from Andrew Sullivan, really attacking Smith mm -hmm. and um, and BuzzFeed and Gorka, suggesting that they were the sinners that they fetishized. And, and Smith kind of acknowledges this. They fetishized traffic and the viral quality of the internet, which has essentially destroyed credible information online and created monsters like buzzfeed and yeah. uh gorka and what what sullivan concludes which is in his interest is that it's all led to substack which he's on which he's a superstar on substack but most of us aren't like andrew sullivan we don't have that kind of following we don't have ten thousand people willing to spend a few dollars a month to subscribe. So it's well, not viable for most people. So all it's creating is a new superstar system, a winner-take-all economy. Well, what, what's being missed in, in all of that conversation is the value of an audience. Um, th there are things you can do that reduce the value of a, an audience down to an atomic unit where every person is the same. And, and, and uh, the same is not very much. It's, you know, two cents per thousand clicks or something of views. But there's another way where the value of an audience can be enhanced. Uh, for example, if you could get all Spurs fans. There aren't any left, Keith. Well, me and, it's me and uh, Jeffrey Hinton. Well, let, let, let's just play along with the idea that you could get all, let's say, Premier League fans looking at one site. The value of that site to an advertiser who wants to, to, to attract Premier League fans would be between $20 and $60 per thousand views. But if you put those people and spread them across the internet and treat them just as random individuals, it's $0.02 cents per thousand views. So what, what's being completely missed in the ecosystem is the value of an audience that has common interests to an advertiser that wants to target those interests. Uh, Glam Media did this back in the day with a fashion website. That, yeah, but that was slimy as well, Glam Media. Well, the concept underneath it was was not slimy. It is that audiences are more valuable when clustered around interests. And, and usually that implies demographics. And the Google effect on advertising is to destroy that by atomizing everyone down to just being an individual equal to every other individual. And now that they can't track you, using cookies based on which sites you follow, that 
atomization and therefore reduction in value is even worse. Somebody sometime is going to figure out how to pull audiences into common interests where the content is excellent for that interest and, and the value of the audience is high, which is what cable TV did, by the way, by creating all these channels. of. Yeah, and I don't understand. I'm seeing Jerome um, Lanier the weekend, uh, and he's always been a champion of this. I don't understand why there isn't a service where if I want to click on an article, whether it's on Substack or a newspaper or a blog or anything else, I'll just pay a few cents. Well, Twitter and that way, and it's just automated, and I don't have to think about it. And and it's it's like going across the bridge on a toll. It's just a, a toll yeah. meter, and you can have a, a maximum if you don't want to go over a certain amount each month. But that would be the simplest. Why hasn't that been tried? It seems so obvious. Well, look, look go, go and look again at the uh, news of the week articles. There's four of them, and look at the last one. Twitter plans to enable publishers to charge per article to bypass paywalls in the app. Oh, you see, you beat me to it. So Twitter's already doing this. Musk is thinking ahead of the crowd again. Exactly. So, so you know, you shouldn't... Why do you have to go through Twitter for this? Why does Twitter have to put itself in the middle of it? Well, somebody has to be a horizontal media sitting on top of the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and you know, uh, HBO and all the other things. But then they just become a toll keeper. Why should I have to pay Twitter? Why well, can't well, I pay it, Google? That. No, you're not going to play Twitter. You, you, Twitter's going to enable you to pay. Yeah, but they'll take a cut. Why? Why? No, no they're not planning to take a cut. They're, so what's in it for Twitter? Audience. Twitter will get an audience. Uh, if, if you can find every article... So if, I, if there's an article, say, in the LA Times and I don't subscribe, if I go to the latimes.com, I won't be able to look at it. But if I access it through Twitter, they will have an arrangement with Twitter and I'll yeah, be able yeah. to access it and pay for yeah. it. Basically, you'll have a wallet on Twitter and it, it'll deduct a hundredth of a cent. But, but why not just do it on a browser? It's so sim so much simpler. Well, if you do it on a browser, the you know the browser has to implement some kind of billing and payment system. Which well, I'm sure that our friends at Google could figure that one out. They might. They might copy it, but but it, it's the right instinct. The but they're lower down. The, I mean, they're higher up the chain. It's much more foundational. I don't understand why no, you because, want to do it because, through Twitter. No, because Twitter is a meeting place for news readers. Uh, it's many other things as well. But one no, of I don't want to go on Twitter. I can't stand Twitter, but I have to use a browser for better or worse. Yeah, but a browser is not a thing unless you're on a website. Which website would that be? Well, whatever I do, I go through Chrome. So if I access a, an article, it will come through Chrome, and I will pay through Chrome. But Chrome isn't... Let's say you're on The New Yorker in Chrome. The New Yorker is going to be pretty upset if you're paying Google and not them. But you won't. I mean, it's the same as Twitter. You, yeah, so they Chrome don't will you, enable you to... Right. So they'd have yeah. to. So, in other words, you're saying Elon's clever and he's doing the right thing. And other well, but in a way, but in a way, he's <laughs> he's believing in his own hype and believing that he's more powerful and that Twitter is not just for journalists, but it, it's for everyone. Yeah. Well, that's his theory. I, I don't think that's a bad theory. I think. Well, this is his. I mean, I guess this is the beginning of his vision of an X app which is that ubiquitous and for everything and everyone. Well, I, I think if you look at it from the point of view of the individual, we're, we're going to have some kind of a budget for reading. 
right now it's totally inefficient. Like I, I yeah, have it's already- so annoying where you click on something and you don't really want to get it. And I want to put a, I want to put a, 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 a screenshot, but I'm not going to pay and I'm not going to subscribe. I agree. I mean, I'm not sure how typical we are. I, I've got to believe anybody that reads stuff where they click on something and it's either full of ads or a paywall and they have to subscribe to the entire publication to read a single article would cheer at the idea that you can just click on the articles you want, pay for that article and move on. It's a no-brainer. Why aren't there a million startup entrepreneurs trying this? Many have tried. I, I actually tr- tried this in 2005 at Edgeo where we created a digital envelope that could be unlocked by paying. And inside the digital envelope, there could be a white paper, a PDF, an article, uh, music, video, anything, Uh, like a locked digital artifact. Um, it's, It's an obvious idea, and it's not new. That was 15 years, 18 years ago. Um, So you're right. Somebody, somebody needs to do this and it needs to succeed. Twitter's as good a choice as anyone as a starting place. And I guess in terms of content, the, the video model would have been the uh, the cable company who figured out a way of doing it. It doesn't make many people happy, but it's worked. Yeah, but forcing a subscription to a all-you-can-eat, that's always been the problem with content owners. They want... They, they don't trust that they have enough good content for you, for you only to pay for what you want. So they force you to pay for all the stuff you don't want as well. And and that that can't survive. That just doesn't make sense. And, and it solves all the, well, it doesn't solve all the problems, but it would also be um, a shot against advertising. Because if a browser or Twitter or whoever else was offering this to me and they said, you pay X a month and you will have, this amount of content, and I guarantee you won't have to look at advertising. You won't be tracked. Yeah. I don't know whether I'm a typical consumer, but I'm guessing there has to be a market for that kind of product. Yeah. Do you do you use Apple News on your iPhone? No. Or, well, Apple News is basically that. If, if you pay for Apple News as part of your package. I think Apple, I do, but I never use it. It's it, it, You have to train it because it learns your taste, but it's... it's I Apple wonder whether, and, and this was my next question on AI since we've it's so ubiquitous these days will ai help this will because as you say people have been trying to crack this nut for for years yeah can ai help well i think that will happen when you uh, the google leaked document talks about personal ai which is an ai that runs on your phone that knows about you that probably is the secret to filtering content based on what you want to receive. And I, I think that will happen. It is already happening. It will happen. Cosmics was the last company that tried to do this. They were acquired by Walmart Labs because um, they didn't get enough of an audience for reading to make money. But I, I do think personal AI blended with content um, in the cloud that's proper, properly um, labeled and indexed yeah, I do think this will happen. No, and I think we better, well, I don't know how many more years Keith will be waiting, but we will be on it on that was the week. What about the state of the private markets? Fantastic. There is a, an, uh, well, no, it's not Genet's, but this is her space and your space. Uh, yeah. what, what's happening with that? This 
week. So this is just a follow-on from last week's shrink shrinking headline. Um, Carter is a company that stores all the documents when com- when startups raise money. So it, it knows exactly how much investors are paying, how much they're buying of a company for that price at every stage. So they do a state of the private markets roughly three or four times a year. This is the Q1 2023 one. And it, it, it is just um, a goldmine for anyone working in the venture capital or startup space to understand what's going on. The, the, the headline news is not anything different than last week. It's uh, everything is down. Everything is shrinking, um, including M&A. Uh, that also means that bad behavior is growing. Things like um, rounds of financing that include unfair caveats for the investors at the expense of the, of the entrepreneurs. Um, the time between rounds is expanding. The amount invested per round is shrinking. It, it's just a very, very good... And very when, comp- when, when are we going to start seeing the beginnings of the AI boom in these sorts of numbers? Will it be by the end yeah. of the year? Well, it's already there. It's a little bit like saying, when will we see the next Olympic champion in any given sport? Well, they're currently 12 years old and really, really good in high school. Um, and, and the same for startups. In 2023, there's been a lot of AI companies funded. The, the future Olympians amongst them are already there. And it's a question of figuring out which ones they are as early as possible, which is, of course, the game that I play. And, and um, I think as long as you can take your eye off of the decline of the historical cohort and spend time looking for the new cohort, you'll see it. But some of the old Olympians are still winning gold medals. You made uh, Elon Musk and, the boring, and his boring company Startup of the Week. I know you're a big admirer of Musk. What, what has he been doing at boring company to justify giving him startup of the week this week well it it, it 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 astounded me actually what what he's done is negotiated an agreement with the city of of uh, las vegas to build a 69 station uh, underground connecting every part of the city to every other part of the city um now if you if you think about places in the world that have underground metros like london for example uh, that have taken more than 100 years to build to date and have cost huge amounts of money. What what Musk is doing with the Boring Company, assuming it, it executes, is significantly reducing the cost and time to build sophisticated travel and communication systems. It, 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 so it's, Yeah, I mean, why, why isn't this bigger news? I have to admit, it's the first time I've heard of it. I mean, this, won't this cost trillions of dollars? You would think so, but I, I, I'm sure the answer is no, because I don't think Las Vegas has trillions of dollars to spend. So, so it must be a lot less than that. And there's probably a private-public partnership. I'm sure the city is paying for some of it. The federal government is probably paying for some of it. And I'm pretty sure that Musk, once it's built, will be making all the money from the ticket sales. So once again... Well, so he's going to own... So, so the, the Las Vegas underground system is going to be owned by musk's boring company i actually don't know the details are not clear yet yeah the i'm boring, sure they're not clear i'm the, sure the boring company is definitely building it um 
because there's more than a single payer, I assume there's more than a single beneficiary of the ticket system. But one of them probably is a boring company. Yeah, and given the fact that it's happening in Las Vegas, I'm sure that the traditional public nature of transportation infrastructure will be different, which will be another story. Finally, and we had you brought Musk in, one of your favorites. Your other favorite. Paul Graham is our tweet of the week. How did he get in? What's Paul Graham been saying this week, Keith, on Twitter? And by the way, when are you going to change it? Not tweet of the week. What's this new social media platform? Blue Sky. Yeah. Why don't you? What do they call it? They haven't allowed me. No, but they have a a term for tweets. What are they? Oh, it's a terrible term. I forgot what it is, but it's a term. But you're, you're sticking with Twitter. I'm sticking with Twitter. So, so what's Paul Graham? Why, why, why is Paul Graham the wise man of the week on Twitter? So I thought it was a good follow-up to the boring company one. He's, he's, his tweet, his original tweet says, "Electric cars, fake meat, AI, all three have been around a long time since he was a kid." He claims, and they were never good enough, so we ignored them. But now all three have crossed the line where uh, where you can't ignore them. And, and the question to his audience was, what's next? And uh, there's a long thread of various well-known people speculating on what the next thing that we assume to be a failure uh, that will eventually be a success, a success is. His prediction is nuclear fusion, which um, I would love to be true, but I'm still not convinced. What's your prediction? What's next? I mean, I buy electric cars and AI. I'm not sure about fake meat. But... Flying, flying cars would be a good bet because uh, I, I think we all assume they're not happening, but I think they are, probably are going to happen. And what won't happen, Keith? What, what, what won't we happen? Always like the what won't the joke happen? about the Brazilian economy, always right. on the horizon, always next, but never real. It's super easy, Andrew. What won't happen is Lena Khan won't regulate AI. It's not going to happen. 